Welcome to the Design 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 podcast, where Jesper Bielund and Jan Arvet poke, prod, analyze, and share their opinions on design. The everyday, the mundane, as well as the exceptional. And we try to explore how people affect and are affected by design. <laughs> it, it never gets old, the sort of ducting no, along to the music. Hello, Jesper. Hello, Jan. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's a beautiful, sunny, cold day. That sounds that sounds lovely, but I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that since we're going to be talking about your your absolute favorite topic today, uh, bendable screens. <laughs> yes, we are going to talk about bend. Is it bendable or is it foldable? It is foldable. The bendable is a bad joke on my part. Um, I don't know if you remember the Bendgate. I do. Yes. Stories from a couple of years ago. Yes. What happened was that people had two large iPhones and they were uh, thin and they put them in their back pockets and they sat down and they bent. And for some reason, this was known as Bendgate. And then just a few years later, Samsung started uh, started actually making foldable devices with foldable screens. And it sort of felt like it was the same thing all over again. <laughs> I, I like the idea of, of people being upset that if you actually sit on a phone, it might be damaged. Yes, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I do rather like the foldable screens because it's it's exciting. There's absolutely no use case for them and once in a while i think that's kind of fun a lot of resources are going into something that actually doesn't have a proper use case it's not solving a problem it doesn't help with battery life it doesn't help with cooling of the chips that obviously are getting faster and hotter but it's fun it is fun that's my sort of starting point what what do you mean they solve no use case um they solve no use case oh oh i see (laughs) (laughs) no uh so Here's a use case that I would like to test on you then. Yeah. Uh, have you ever felt that your iPhone screen is too small or that your uh, iPad screen is too large? No. Never? No, no, never. It's very interesting to me because I, I've I've come across this many, many times, especially sort of when you're trying to compare which iPhone to get. Like, should you get the, the plus size one or the normal or the mini, which used to be the normal? People start comparing use cases and they're usually very different. Like, if you want to type on a screen, you want a small screen. But if you want to read on a screen, you want a slightly larger screen. And for all of the, to me, a little bit crazy people who are actually watching TV shows and movies while they're commuting, they want a giant screen. But people can't always have everything at their fingertips. So it's okay to not have everything in the same device. But now they can with the new and improved foldable screens from Samsung. Yeah, I, I I absolutely see your point. It it adds another it adds option to the device. And I still claim that that is not a use case that needs to be sold. You can still type on it. You can still watch movies on on your commute. It, it it's not a problem to be solved. It's about expectation which has really no practical use apart from pure want, pure desire to be able to change the screen sizes. Yeah. When the personal computer came into being, it was referred to as a general computing device, meaning it could compute anything. I don't know if that's true about the PC, actually, but at some point they were known as general computing devices. And I think the foldable devices 
of today is sort of a it's sort of a callback to that era. The the idea that a single device should do everything for you. And I do sort of get that urge because I myself sort of wish that I could do everything on my iPad. I get the urge that the device that is the closest one to me, the the iPhone or the even the watch should be able to do everything because it just feels it feels personal and it feels close to me and I wish it could do it all. But that is of course in contrast to how we normally use tools. We normally specialize tools after their use. That's that's why they're so efficient and they're why they're great tools. So I guess there's a huge conflict brewing here with what what should a device be? That is, um, yeah, I think that's the way to look at it. Uh, what are you actually getting it for? The idea that you can do everything with every tool is not uh, is not realistic. So then it becomes about percentages. If you type a lot, say you type 60%, 70% of the time, then you should probably get a really big phone. If you don't, then you shouldn't. And I think having that very straightforward, I, I almost want to call it a sort of common sense approach uh, to to thinking about tools is really is really helpful. And above all, it also saves a lot of money. I would love to have the massive, gigantic iPad, but I don't really have a use for it. So I don't buy it. But I do use the 11-inch every day, hours and hours every single day. There are several topics that relate to this that I would like to get into, like what what is your preferred size of device and and also what is your preferred sort of I.O. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, last show, we sort of, uh, we should have sort of teased that you've actually tried one of these devices or, or been present with one of these devices because I haven't. I've never touched one. I've never seen one live. I've only seen the, the, the famous reviews online with people trying desperately not to break the screens and failing. So what are they like in reality? So I've, uh, I've been in the presence of the uh, Samsung Galaxy Fold 3, the one that I've actually used a bit more is the uh, Flip 3, also from, from Samsung. Hold on, hold on. Th this is where me and the audience go, Whoa. <laughs> Okay, go on. And I, I really like the Flip 3. So it's a clamshell phone. Mm, it's almost square when, when folded, and you obviously flip it open. And uh, the, the fold on the screen feels i mean you you can you can you can feel them physically uh, pretty much every every foldable screen has that you, you can feel the fold but in the clamshell in the fold 3 because of the idea that it the phone doesn't even basically exist until you open it it feels okay that there is a little that there is a little crease and there i i instantly fell in love with the idea of foldable screens because the form factor when it's folded is really really small it still does things for you when when it's uh, when it's folded which is great but when you open it you get enough of additional information to do a lot more so it's uh, it's also it almost sort of under promises and over delivers in a way it's not huge it's sort of you know maybe the size of my my iphone when it's open and that's enough i don't need it to be bigger than that could it be bigger than that well yes because uh the fold three did i get the names wrong there possibly flip three fold three flip three is the little one yes fold three is the big one to be honest i have no idea i, th no. I, th I find these names utterly confusing yes they are uh, anyway, the, the larger Samsung, the Fold 3, it just felt 
like it didn't do that much. It's already a pretty big screen, and then it doubles, and it's like two iPhones next to each other, and well, all right, well, you know, it didn't didn't have an impact on on me. But yes, the Flip Three, I think is it's friggin' genius. So my theory is that it is in the smaller physical form factor, and the difference in what it can do in that size and when you open it up that's going to have the biggest impact when it comes to the future evolution of the foldable screens it is not going to be bigger and bigger or snazzier in that you can fold it twice or that you can roll it up or whether the screen is on the inside or the outside because it just it under promises and over delivers and i love that i I love the fact that i get to play devil's advocate here again (laughs) what you're saying might be true today but these devices lack serious support in software, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, or there's very little support for foldable screens and for these awkward screen aspect ratios uh, that are being created. So we haven't actually seen what the form factor can do in as much as we've seen demos of foldable screens yet. That's absolutely right. Uh, The the software experience on the larger foldable screens is, it's not even laughable. It's just tragically awful. <laughs> and I think that's also why I really like the Flip 3, because when you open it up, it's, you know, it's the regular it's the regular Android experience. There is no weird aspect ratio. There is no strange using the one screen as two screens, anything like that. No, it's, it's just a, a bog standard phone when it's open. And that is, that's really powerful in and of itself. It's uh, the step before that it's foldable, that it's small, that is the magic. Will it stop there? No, of course. I mean, there's going to be other really exciting things as well. But where the Flip 3 is, is it's a solid space. Mm. So I have, I have two questions about the, uh, I don't know if it was a Flip or the Fold, but, but first I just want to say about the software, we actually have the same issue with the iPad. Yes. Because it's such a, a small use case or a small install base compared to the iPhone, it also doesn't have the type of software support that it really merits. So despite being a, an extremely successful product with hundreds of millions of people using them, they still have a very bad software support. And I think that might be uh, that might be an issue going forward for foldable devices because eventually to get proper software support, they need to coalesce around a specific form factor or some type of use case where the foldable screen makes sense. And that will just sort of stifles innovations a little bit, I guess. But never mind, that was just a that was just a toss away thought. I want to ask about the flip fold flim. Uh, anyway, um, you said two things that I want to uh, that I want to dig into. The first one was that you enjoyed the phone that just turned into a regular phone, but when you folded it, it became a non-device. Was what you liked about that the fact that you turned it off completely, or was it that it was somehow like nostalgic for you to be able to to flip a phone again? It was that it. The, the the physical device became unobtrusive. It sort of almost vanished, and I like that. I like that on a purely purely sensory level. There was no there was no particular practical need for it to to fall. Of course, I mean, yeah, it does take less space, but you know, I I do have space for a for a whole phone as well. So it was more just the feeling that it it yeah it goes away. It it vanishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it still carries information on the outside. Oh, it does. I thought it was no outside screen. What What is the information on the outside? Yes, it does. It does. And it's, I mean, it's not a lot. There is time, there is date, 
there is if you get a message like a text message weather and um, music if you're listening to music um, you get a little little thumbnail of of the album and um, play and pause controls and you can customize this as well to to a certain extent it's it's, it's a tiny screen on the outside it's uh, it's less than two inches but it's also enough. It's kind of like, you know how much I love my watch, my, my Apple Watch? Yeah. Because it allows me to use any other screen a lot less. It's kind of the same thing here, but without having to carry a watch. I was just about to say that. This this sounds like the Apple Watch. And it also sounds like it is a wonderful way to not get sucked in by notifications. Yes, on the topic of notifications, which we talked about the other week. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've, I've never felt uh, a desire to leave the iOS, the world of iOS, but, and I won't, but the Flip 3, I think, thanks to what it does physically, what it does with the exterior screen, the under-promising, over-delivering, makes me kind of keen to maybe possibly at some point actually have a Flip 3. That's how much I like this treatment of the foldable screen. That's actually very surprising because based on our teaser from the last episode, I would have expected you to really dislike foldable screens. But now it sounds like you're pretty much on board. Well, the thing is, I dislike what foldable screens, how they're being promoted, what the, I mean, the fact that they're so overpriced. Mm. Mostly they overpromise and underdeliver. And again, there is not a use case. Yeah. I'm still to be convinced about foldable screens. I know I'm going to love them in the future, but at the moment, no, it's only this one that I really like. Otherwise, I get all itchy, mostly because, as you mentioned, the user experience of applications on foldable screens is, mm. I mean, it's never good. It's never, ever good. Yeah, but we cannot fault the uh, the form factor for that. That is a software issue. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I, I find it kind of... Uh, it's fascinating and almost a little bit funny, the fact that the, the iPhone that started this whole mobile revolution, one of the things that it promised to deliver was the fact that you could have, you could be uh, online on the go and that you could get notifications. And here we are 10 years later uh, talking about a form factor that literally removes that <laughs> as a positive. Yeah, that is funny. That is really funny. <laughs> I, I really think it is. But I have another question for you. So on these devices, you, you said that you could feel the crease on the screen. Mm. Does that mean that, uh, has that been taken into account at any point? Is that used in the design at all of the software? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it as such. And occasionally that fold is in a very, very inconvenient place oh. for what you're trying to do on the screen. So uh, not as far as I'm aware. No, because I remember the um, uh, sort of the first concept that really blew up about foldable screens was the uh, Microsoft's Courier mm. project from, yeah. I think it's probably close to 10 years at this point. And it was never a real device. It was just a, um, a design concept. But the Courier, it was very clearly designed with the crease in mind. It only put non-interactive elements at the center of the screen. Otherwise, it was a margin. Mm. Meaning that you had like one thing on one part of the screen and the other thing on the other part of the screen. There was no, there was nothing that you needed to read over the fold. There was no controls that you needed to touch over the fold. The only thing that happened over the fold was if you were scrolling a huge document, having a presentation or a movie, which makes complete sense to me. If there's a crease in the machine, you don't want to be interacting around that crease. Yeah. And that's, that's the hesitation that I feel sometimes when 
the finger sort of slides over that crease. Mm. Did they always pick that up? And of course, I see it very quickly. It's just that that moment of, of hesitation. Again, this is, of course, getting better and better with every generation of, of the screens. Mm. I have a question for you, Jesper. Mm -hmm. You mentioned occasionally wanting a larger screen on the iPad. Yeah. So that's, um, that, that's for you. Do you see a case for a company, organization, a business where they could really work with that and provide something additional the, so is the question can the company provide something additional to me or is the question can the company also get something additionally out of a large or out of a screen that can enlarge it good question uh let's go with the second one okay this is why i wanted to ask you about screen sizes so let's i hope we can get into that after this um what happens with me is that when i'm working on a device i usually go like when, when i'm out and about i take down my notes on the iphone and eventually the iphone is not large enough usually it it's something about i need to sketch something so i step over to the ipad and I start sketching on the iPad, and then suddenly I really want to compare what I'm doing on the iPad to something else, where I want to I want to switch over to Figma or start writing or something. And what happens is then I just I, I upscale again. I move devices, and the move is frustrating and annoying. So I would rather be able to stick to the iPad from the start, or just be able to like fold out the iPad. But Having said that, I think the opposite is true for most clients I work with. They usually have very large screens. Um, most of the people I've worked with over the last five years, they have a giant iPhone and they have the large iPad and they certainly have a 4K monitor on their desk. The, the really weird thing is that they also have a sleek, small, cool laptop that they hook into this 4K monitor. <laughs> Um, and usually all of all of their work is done in Excel or email anyway. So I see a very clear benefit if they were to limit themselves to smaller screens because it would make their work so much more focused and so much easier to not get distracted. I, I honestly think that I don't know if the companies are being sold this or if people are being sold the lifestyle of this, but there's some sort of inflation going on in screen sizes that I, that I think is directly detrimental to the experience of what you're trying to do. Mm. That becomes very apparent in uh, in the world of video calls and screen sharing. Yeah. And someone who has an incredibly wide monitor who shares it, you literally can't see a thing. If you're on a smaller device, that just doesn't work. I find that really, really interesting, the idea that downsizing would have a benefit in terms of focus. One, because I think it's correct. And two, I think that's actually what what the flip three does to a certain extent mm. it does bring it down but it also brings down the physical form factor yeah that is very interesting the first time i noticed this was um the, the first time i went freelance in 2009 i couldn't afford a 13 inch laptop but i could afford the 11 inch macbook air mm. And I was a developer at the time, or a developer-designer hybrid. So I was uh, taking this tiny, tiny laptop around with me and doing design work on it. And everywhere, people would ask me, like, how could you possibly work on such a small screen? And bear in mind, this was before Retina screens, so the, the resolution was absolutely horrendous. But what happened was that my workflow became all full-screen apps. Mm. So I had a single thing on my screen all the time. 
And whatever I was working on was either zoomed very far out to get a very rough overview or zoomed very far in to get it to the details. And I think this metaphor really works as a as a crutch for the human mind because we're so easily distracted by everything. Um, so these days I have a 13 inch laptop, which is the smallest pro laptop I can get. I have the small iPad or the, the, <laughs> the small iPad pro, I should say. So the 11 inch and I have the mini iPhone and I really enjoy the fact that these devices limit me to mostly working full screen i think that is i think that is so brilliant in its truly in its simplicity it allows the technology to be used at a level that makes sense from an interaction point of view yeah i didn't i didn't know that you had the third uh, the iphone mini i've talked with uh, two colleagues uh, lately and they wanted to switch from android to iphone and I actually recommended the mini mm. to start with really sort of the core of of what ios can do you know it's not it's not about the screen it it's 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 other things that uh, that makes the iphone a winner i agree and I think the uh, iPhone mini is my favorite form factor iPhone ever. Uh, it used to be the iPhone 5 or the iPhone 5S. Mm. Uh, but I think this is just perfect. I can reach the entire screen. I can do anything that an iPhone can do. But I don't get sucked into believing that this is an iPad. I'm not trying to edit full text documents on it. Though I can, but I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to do big sketches on it. Though I could, but I'm not trying to because it just, that's not what this device is for. And I think it, it sort of makes it clear. So I think that was a brilliant recommendation on your part. And I also think to to take it back to what you said just before that, I think this, this full screen mindset and the focus that it gives us is at least in part why I like the iPad. And I think it also relates to why you like the iPad. Uh, absolutely true, yes. I think there's there's something clearly craftsmanlike about this. The reason we like this form factor and the full screen effect of it is that it helps us focus, which means that it's less dopamine inducing because there are less bells and whistles, less cool things on the screen. So it's exactly the opposite of why a, a an average user or a normal user would buy something because it's less fun, but it's exactly <laughs> what you want from a tool, right? You don't want a really fun pair of scissors. That sounds super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent example. Can can that be the uh, the name of this episode as well? You don't want a pair of fun scissors. That would be super dangerous. I, I would love to hear your experience. What, what do people around you and your clients use? Like, are they all on these giant monitors as well? I have to think about. I'm thinking about my colleagues. A lot of them are on large screens, but. Mm, I'd say less than half, uh, way less than half. The, a lot of them have the 13-inch uh, have thirteen inch screens, 14 in some cases. A lot of people are on iPads. When it comes to clients, I would say that there's a fairly even split between iPads and non-Apple tablets in meetings, plus the occasional really old PC laptop. Okay, this this is interesting, actually, because now I have a follow-up question. Yeah. So these non-Apple tablet devices, are they Microsoft products? I'd say they're pretty much exclusively Samsung, actually, wow. the, as far as I, I remember. Of course, I mean, there's, there's the 
occasional Microsoft one, but now it's it's mostly Samsung. Because to take this back to um, the form factor of screens and the foldability of things, Microsoft has been pushing the Surface model for the Surface range of devices for the last 10 years, which are pretty much all touchscreen. Most of them are tablet-esque, or at least they're tablets, but with a keyboard. But Microsoft's suite of tools and their, their famous Office products don't actually work that well on touchscreens. And it comes back to the same issue that you had with the foldable devices, that if the support isn't there, the entire sort of experience fails. Even though Microsoft is a leader both in software and in hardware, uh, and they're doing wonderful things, there's definitely something lacking here. There is, and I think for Microsoft, it's, it's the phones. A lot of people who have Samsung tablets that they get through through their businesses also have a Samsung phone mm. and a Samsung screen. So the, the the kit that they get is from a particular particular manufacturer. Could also be Huawei, for example. But it is it's it's a it's a hardware ecosystem that Microsoft has has never been able to crack properly. And we're also with you know obviously bring your own device, which has been a thing for many years now. I rarely see someone bringing in a device of a brand, one device from a brand that is not the same as the as the other device or devices. That is a very astute and interesting observation. I would like to um, to circle back to something that I was interested in at the beginning of this conversation because it relates to this topic specifically to how many people have the same sort of brand of devices. What are your favorite inputs? And do you think that will change with foldable screens? Um, good question. I come back to using my the pencil on my iPad almost like clockwork. For some reason, always when like spring comes around, the pencil comes out again. <laughs> and maybe it's because I spend more time outside, more time on the move. So right now I am I've I've refallen in love uh, with my with my Apple pencil for my iPad. Mm. Apart from that, I've oh yeah, I haven't really thought about it. I haven't really thought about it. I don't think that foldable screens as such will impact the way we input info to the device that they're attached to but maybe yeah that was a very fuzzy answer what's your thoughts on that yeah i don't think that we can be more concrete than a fuzzy answer to be honest i think oh, good. this is one of these uh this is one of these topics where we really have to wait and see but i've been thinking a lot about this recently because i like you i am on apple devices hello designer trope right <laughs> I think similar to you, I prefer to use touch input, meaning fingers or pens. And I've also progressed from, I, I still do some development on the side. And I still do with some clients just a couple of years ago, I was almost a full-time developer in some projects. So I still use a keyboard heavily and I still do write a lot. Mm. So I, I use a keyboard, but I think Apple has sort of seen the writing on the wall for these inputs that um, what you're using today is either a keyboard or a touch input. So they're selling touch pads. I don't think they're selling a lot of mice, to be honest. Their, their mouse design is very weird, and I don't think it's a, it's a huge income stream for them. They're, they're focusing really on the touch devices, the touch pads and keyboards. And now they're even starting to push uh, software that allows you to use the same external keyboards and touch pads for all of your devices. So you can just move your mouse pointer over from your Mac to your iPad and back. And I think this 
tells us something. I, I, I think every manufacturer sort of has this issue that there is a generation of people raised on the mouse keyboard input device that believe that that is computing. And then there's an entirely different generation that have always had a smartphone, an iPhone-like smartphone, and they don't use a mouse. And software becomes a very different thing when you don't use a mouse. Even if you use a touchpad, you're still way more inclined to have gestures in your UI or to do smooth movement instead of a specific point and click in your UI. And I think there's something happening here. Also a very fussy answer, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. No, um, I think you're, you're absolutely right there. And what I'm really curious about is what, what comes after that, what, what happens beyond that. I am very excited about the whole idea of using, for example, a keyboard, a touchpad across different different devices. I'm wondering if if that will potentially also move to a watch or a wearable device in one way or another so that you use something that is on you to interact with devices around you. I think that will be very, very interesting. It opens up a lot of possibilities in terms of uh, uh, identification. It opens up a lot of possibilities that sort of, I mean, COVID is still obviously a, a very, a very difficult thing around the world. And it's not the, it's not the last pandemic we'll have, but it also opens up a lot of, uh, it also removes a lot of barriers to literal interaction that we don't have to touch screens and buttons and fiddly bits that someone else has stuck their gross, horrible fingers on. <laughs> if we disconnect the io from the screen size so it doesn't matter if you have a full size screen or not because your keyboard is still full size it's separate you can touch the screen or you can poke your pen at it but it doesn't they don't have to relate mm. in that world having a foldable screen actually makes a lot of sense because now you might be using the screen for Let's go back to Microsoft Surface here. You might be using the screen at one point to type, and then you want a portrait mode, a portrait mode upright screen. It doesn't have to be very large. Uh, it should be probably the size of a Kindle or something. Then the next use case, you might be drawing something, and they support that as well. They, they just bring out your Microsoft Pencil, fold out the screen, or place it in landscape, and now you can you can draw on it. So. The screen as a receptacle for your input actually makes a little bit more sense as a foldable device. But then the the crease can't interrupt that. And I guess the 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 screen size, the screen has to do everything uh, regardless of the size. So I guess it's a very hard technical issue. Or am I just am I just being sci-fi geeky now? I think you're being both, and I, I think that's um, that's perfectly fine. I was thinking about something that uh, a good friend is is working on. She has uh, a couple of disabilities, and she runs. It's um, well, it, I guess it's a startup. It's more of a sort of a collective of people who they all have disabilities of different kinds. They work on applications and services, and even some hardware for people with disabilities. And this collective or startup has just been sort of semi acquired by a very large name company. Mm -hmm. So I'm very keen to see what they do in that context, because a lot of the things that we're talking about, uh, it's sort of, you know, having the luxury 
to switch between screen sizes and being able to use fingers, hands, thumbs, yeah. eyes, voice, etc. But not everyone has that luxury. And I do believe that if we, we look at how more people can use this technology, whether the screens fold or not, uh, will end up something that is better for us all. Mm. But what is interesting is that a project that, that she and the team are working on actually uses, it's not foldable, but it's malleable screens. Uh-huh. What does that mean specifically? So essentially, you can sort of almost like start scrunching it or rolling it uh, instead of folding it. Oh, wow. To, to trigger certain responses and interactions with it. Because folding or, or unfolding something might not work for everyone. Mm -hmm. That I'm really curious to see what comes out of it. So maybe it's not about foldable screens. Maybe it's about scrunchable screens. I love that. And I use that term because that's that's what she uses, <laughs> sort of half-jokingly. Scrunchable <laughs> screens. That is the future. That is definitely science fiction. That is science fiction. And who knows? Uh, maybe we'll be able to get her on the show someday to talk more about this. That would be absolutely amazing. I like this. Uh, I like this tangent as well because one of my gripes with mice is the fact that they require extreme precision—a mm. precision that just most people simply do not have. Which doesn't nicely transition us to the topic of coffee, but it could potentially because it's also something that most people do not have enough of. <laughs> uh, I was mostly thinking of your movement patterns before you drink your coffee in the morning, which are unprecise. Ah, yeah, mm, yes. True. Uh, we haven't talked about coffee at all today, and we were going to, and I brewed this. Actually, this is my second batch of brewing beans from Lycke Kaffegårdar. They're called Oi. They're amazing. And now there's just not enough time to talk about it, which is kind of a bummer. That is kind of a bummer, though in my case, uh, I'm pretty happy because I would just be incredibly envious of your wonderful beans from Lycke since I'm still working through my Kaufland Semi-deluxe. Semi-deluxe. Is, is that an expression? I love it. I think that's the most accurate name for them. Okay, cool. It's worth noting that uh, in the show notes, there's a little link that says buy us a coffee. And if you did appreciate a part of this podcast, maybe the whole series, if you do want to support us, uh, do tap that link and, and buy us a coffee. We will be very, very happy and we'll talk more about coffee as well. That would be absolutely lovely because uh, contrary to uh, whatever you may think, Samsung did not sponsor this episode. <laughs> that is so true. It was very Samsung heavy, wasn't it? Yeah. Though, if you're listening to this as a part of the uh, um, Samsung Corporation, uh, please feel free to email us. Exactly. And do send us a couple of flip threes and uh, we'll take them for a proper spin. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen, but I'm glad we got that in there. <laughs> I don't think so either. Okay. See you next week. See you next week, Jan. Bye. Bye. Bye.